Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 7, season 20, and we're already on 50% staff. We've cut the budget, because uh, we're feeling threatened, so there's just me and Jack this week. Hello Jack. Hello, you've, uh, I think you've cut the budget in the wrong area. <laughs> <laughs> self-deprecating i love it jack banging i love it uh now ryan champion is 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 doing something with us a little bit later on which you're going to hear next week which is quite exciting uh, trevor agnew will be with us of course at some point next week we haven't quite figured out how and why because he's a busy man as well uh, this week uh there's going to be me and jack at the top then we're going to be talking to ole christian baby or baby have i said that right jack you know what baby what history, baby Baby, yeah. baby, uh, who's going to be joining us very, very shortly um, to talk about his program for this year. And I suppose we, we can have a little bit of a chat, Jack, about what he's done before because he is Mister R Five. When you look at his record, he's drove a lot of R Five cars. So I think he's, uh, I think he's driven them all now, isn't he? Uh, I think not so. The, not the Proton. No, um, he's not drove the Proton, but uh, no. not many. I think he's driven all the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to have him up shortly, and then we have got Bex Williams um, joining us to uh, to kind of talk about the beginning of this season uh, and Mexico and, and various other bits and pieces because she's not been on for ages, which was my bad um, because it is genuinely me that kind of gets people in, and I just hadn't realised that she hadn't been on for that long. But there you go, there you go. So uh, Jack, um, congratulations on um, your your freelance piece that I've read this morning. Um, it's nice to see you back in MN. Uh, albeit briefly, a, a fantastic piece with regards to a really historic rally as well over here in the UK, which which seems to be under threat again. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, yeah, it's been nice to get back into doing a bit more rallying stuff rather than the roundy roundy. And uh, yeah, I think things are looking quite exciting for me for 2020, but we don't need to talk about that now. Um, yeah, the Snowman, obviously a, a really historic event, um, was uh, uh, you know was uh, going for his 65th uh, 65th year and uh, is is kind of typically become the the curtain raiser of the Scottish Rally Championship and in, in the 70s it had a really heyday period where it was in the British Championship as well so people like Pensiricola, Ari Vatanen compete in there and, and, and really love the stages up near near Aberdeen so um, the event obviously a lot longer back then um, you know we're kind of down to a 45 mile type event now but the organising team's had a few hits over the past few years and you know Scottish rallying is uh, a little bit up and down in terms of where it's at with, with entries on, on different events and there are you know, a little bit um, unsure about the direction in, in certain aspects. Having a tarmac event in the Scottish Rally Championship is a bit unusual for, for, for people of my age anyway, for sure. And um, obviously been done in the past, but, you know, switching things up and looking to, to boost things. So that's nice. But yeah, it's been a it's been a really good two weeks of uh, rallying stuff for me. I had a quick chat with Seb Marshall yesterday. I was catching up with seeing how, uh, how Seb's getting on in uh, his well, sort he, of he's got a bit, he's, I was just going to say, there was a bit of a news announced, obviously, both him and Chris are going over to New Zealand, which which everybody's got really, really excited about. No doubt we will have one one of them. We have not had Chris on for a while. We, we should, probably should reach out to Chris soon. Uh, but they're heading over to, to go toe-to-toe with Hayden over in his backyard. Yeah, exactly. And to, to hear what Chris has got to say about that car will be fantastic afterwards to, to kind of compare and see where he ranks it compared to a WRC and R5, you know, that kind of thing. Chris has got that, you know, that ability to, to kind of rank that for us and let us know a little bit more about that. So that'll be, that'll be really good. And I'm sure Seb will enjoy the New Zealand stages. He's a, he's a big fan of those stages. And also I've been working on a feature next week for, uh, for a little bit of a, a little bit of a time walk back to 1990. So people of a certain age will hopefully enjoy that that's, feature. That's, and that's, 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 that's me. 
That's that. The nineteen yeah. ninety. I was, I was, I'm a, you know, I was, I was just coming of age, so to speak, in every shape, way, shape, or form. It has well, to be I said. Al- well, I wasn't alive, but I thought I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd, I thought I'd, I thought I'd pick the phone up and make an effort. So um, yeah, basically, we've got Elvin, um, you know, being so successful at the minute in the in the Toyota over the first couple of rallies of the season, and, and the last time a Welshman was successful in a Toyota was was back in eighty nine and ninety when uh, Dyla Ellen was was dominating the British Rally Championship. So I thought it'd be good to. Yeah, there's a couple of links there between Elvin and I, so uh, a bit of a parachute back into 1990. Spoke to Phil Short this morning, so I'm all uh, I'm all excited about rallying, all fevered up, and uh, yeah, looking forward to writing that feature this afternoon as soon as you get get me off the phone. You are, you are, yeah, yeah I can tell. There's there's a there's a bit of a there's a bit of a bubble here, Jack. Rally, yeah, rally no, is, no. I think I think I think there's there's rally fever again here. There's, there's always been rally fever, but there's, there's, spe- there's specific areas of rally fever that get me very excited, and I think '88 is the, um, the the season that always, uh, you know, if anyone ever asked me about how I got into rallying, my, my dad had the '88 British Rally Championship season review, and it had the the pace notes in the in the VHS box. Yeah, I so remember. You sit there, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had um, Mark Lovell and Ronan Morgan on the circuit of Ireland in the in the Sierra Cosworth, and you could read along with one of the stages on on the circuit, which was amazing. But that year was just so cool for cars. It wasn't great particularly great for competition because jimmy pretty much ran away with it in the end but you had um you had obviously Llewellyn in the oil tanker audi um which was you know trying to do a three-point turn and that thing must have been fun if we ever had to do it because <laughs> it was about 15 feet long and then uh, obviously pensy was in the Storion, which uh, very short-lived and i think people have got a bit of fever for that car haven't they it's not particularly the best looking car in the world but it's just one of them that kind of came along quickly and um you know sparked people's interest and then disappeared quickly and made people you know really interested in it so you kind of had like three big drivers three really different and odd cars and uh you know a good battle and obviously jimmy won the the scottish for the first time in in 15 years that year so um 88 was a real uh, you know a season that i love so jimmy penty die uh, you know i love reading about those guys and and you know speaking to them uh, with uh, with jimmy and die unfortunately penty not being with us these days but there's enough uh, stories going around about penty I, was just about, I, was just, I was just about to say everybody's got a penty story i work yeah. with them so i've got I've got plenty. Uh, I'm sure I'll pro- I'm probably repeat myself and apologies if I have, but one that um, I was, uh, I also work with him, but I also went to him as a pupil and used to go out and do pace no practice with him. And the pace no practice always used to end at the pub. <laughs> everybody, a, honestly, everybody who did pace no practice, all the notes basically ended at the, the country pub and used to go in and have lunch with him. That was kind of, so yeah, everything was noted to the local pub. Bless one of them where one of them where uh, Penty's co-driver like for for whatever year didn't have to go around and ask the pubs if they could service in front because Penty had been <laughs> yeah. to every pub. He'd done the recce. Really He'd done the recce. Bless him. Um, yeah. Hey, listen, you've just mentioned obviously the the the, the legendary Jimmy McRae, but um, I realise we're slightly parochial, but I, I do appreciate that Top Gear does go out all over the world. I'm assuming talking of fever jack you, you you very much got on board with chris harris's tribute to, to colin uh that went to broadcast uh last sunday here in the uk yeah it's nice to uh it's nice to see 95 getting a proper um you know a good start to the year really i mean uh, you know the the championship that year obviously um wasn't really you know fully underway at that point but um uh, you know i in full swing i mean but um it's nice that we're starting early in in 2020 and celebrating that that anniversary and obviously there was the the fantastic event at the running the weekend at the weekend by by Brimore Pierce that ran from uh, Chester Racecourse to celebrate Colin's success there as well and uh, people like Nicky Grist and, and Jimmy McRae took part in that um, bit of like a time trial type event uh, went down to Western Park and a few of the the places that were involved in in that year as well so it's been fantastic to see 
um, that you know the the ninety five is being celebrated properly, and uh, you know people marking the occasion. Uh, Chris Harris obviously um, has, has done a bit of rallying himself. Uh, I think most most recently was in the British Championship, wasn't it? In twenty sixteen, yeah. in the eighty six rear wheel drive, I think twenty sixteen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. With Brimmore, actually, funnily yeah. enough, who was co-driving for him that year. So, um, you know, it's it's fair to say Chris has got a bit of uh, uh, well, Chris has just got a general fever, to be fair. Um, yeah. But yeah, did a fantastic job, and you know, the whole production of the the thing, not just um, not just the presenters and, and and everything. I thought the 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 way it was edited together and everything was was fantastic as well. So nice to see Top Gear, you know, going back to its roots, roots to a certain extent, and uh, you know, giving a giving rally in some proper airtime and. Um, you know that was great to see. So we've had two big events over the weekend, pretty much that have uh, marked '95, and I'm sure there'll be uh, quite a few coming up in the future as well. Very much so. Very much so. Uh, nailed, I think, is the expression. They absolutely nailed it. Um, listen, mate, uh, we're, we're going to go to a little break, uh, and as I say, we are going to come back with uh, with OC. This is Absolute Rally. Whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages, it's vital to have the right equipment to hand. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. And as I mentioned at the top, we're joined by... uh, I suppose we can give you the official title, Ole Christian Vibi. Thank you for joining us on Absolute Rally this week. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be, to be here. Do, do, do we call you? Do we call you a Hyundai Motorsport WRC2 driver? Is that a fair title? It's a big title, but is that a fair title? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's. Let's say uh, you, you can call that the title, yeah. So that's uh, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, we appreciate you joining us now because obviously you will be flying off to Mexico very, very shortly. Um, we will we'll talk about Mexico first. You before we started recording, we we we, we briefly spoke, and you, you have done the recce there before. It is a bit of a unique event. It's the first time that you're going to be competing there. What 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 are you preparing for? What what are you working on at the moment specifically to try and get your your brain into gear? I suppose for a very unique event in its own way. Yeah, well, I was I was over there doing the recce in, in seventeen and eighteen. So I, um, as you said, I've not done the rally properly, but um, but I've been there and I've you know got the got the sort of a picture on how it looks. Um, I've done some some pace notes so. So it's not completely new for me. I, I know it a little bit, and, and I think that that I was there a couple of years ago was uh, was really is really good now. And I'm I'm coming there and doing the doing the rally now. So um, it's it's good to have those pace notes um, from before because some of the some of the stages are are, are let's say same from from the previous year. So uh, it's it's really good to have that. So at the moment. Well, working a little bit on those and watching some inboards and, and trying to to get a bit more familiar with the with the roads and, and yeah, correcting the pacements a little bit. So that's that's what I'm doing now before I'm I'm leaving. Can I can I ask you, do you have anybody in particular on boards that you watch? Is there is there any one driver and you may not want to mention them, but just just <laughs> more curiosity for me, is there somebody in particular? Do you, do you watch somebody in a world car or do you watch somebody in an R5 car, for example? Well, actually, it's a it's a little bit different. Um, I'm watching um, a lot of different uh, well, drivers and cars and and everything, so it's 
it's it's I think it's important to get a proper picture of, of everything. You know, a WRC car is, is for sure different from a WRC two car, but but sometimes it's also good to see how how fast you can go with those cars and maybe well you can go uh, well it's it, it's a bit um it's a bit mixed and um you know when we have now WRC plus uh, all the onboards are out from from a lot of years uh, previous years so it's it's very easy to use and you it's it's very available so it's um, it's good for um, let's say me now when I'm not done the rally so it to have some onboards is is really really good and makes makes the preparations a bit easier Mexico always seen there's a lot of short stages, but there's also obviously there was the legendary 80 kilometer one that we 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 talk about a bit later in this podcast um, a couple of years ago. We haven't got you know a bit you know a massive one, but the Sunday morning that 33 k stage straight out of the box. Yeah. As a driver, do you enjoy those big stages like that when going straight into them, or do you prefer to have a couple of shorter stages to kind of work your way in? What 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 works best for you? Well, it's not uh, it's not any particular special things that's that I like more, but uh, but I think in Mexico you have a you have a big mix of, of everything. You have a lot of super specials as well. Um, that's going uh, even well. One of them is is going even four times. So it's so it's um, yeah, it's it's a bit different. And you have some really long one, and you have some really fast ones, and you have some pretty narrow and, and twisty ones. So in Mexico, there is a big mix of, of everything, and you need to um, let's say prepare yourself for that to, to 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 change between the fast sections and slow sections, and where you know where you can where you can push a bit more, and where you have to be you know neat and tidy. So it's um, it's uh, it's important to know where where uh, yeah. Where you can push and where you where you need to be a bit more um, on the safe side. Jack, I know you wanted to ask uh, OC a couple of things as well. If I can bring you in at this point, uh, now would be a quite a good time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. OC, I mean, uh, you've had a good a good career in in R5s now, and obviously driven a, a lot of different cars. So, what have you found switching to the Honda? I know obviously it's been uh, upgraded quite heavily for for this year, so it's uh, probably a little bit different to the Hyundai's we've we've had in the past to a certain extent. But how have you uh, how have you found adapting to that? Well, I think my my experience from from a lot of different uh, type of R5s is is good to have. Um, I know the good things and the bad things from from let's say almost all of the other cars. So um, that's that's good to bring into to Hyundai and and. I mean, for us this year, it's important to to develop the car uh, as much as possible because, um, um, well, everything is is a bit new. It's a bit new for Hyundai. It's a bit new for me. So we, you know, it's it's all about um, developing, and um, that's that's a lot of the that that's one one of the biggest um, targets this year to to develop uh, as much as possible. And uh, I think. It's a really, really huge potential in in, in the car, and um, I, I mean, in Monte Carlo, I was I was really, really happy uh, how things were working out, and and Sweden also we had um, had some positive things. So um, now it's it's gravel, um, a bit different. I, I I just had a test day um, uh, last week, so so it's um, well. As I said, it's it's a lot of potential. So we just need to to work hard and and um, yeah, develop uh, as much as possible. 
what obviously developing a car comes with um you know it comes with challenges it's uh it's a little bit different to maybe just starting a season focusing on results you're obviously working on different aspects of the car and there's different areas for you to to kind of focus on as well so how does the how does this year kind of impact your your future is is the wrc still the goal and sort of how far into the future do you kind of plan for things like this is it a, a case of you have, you've got like a three-year plan in place that you that you want to get to the to a certain position, or how do you how does your mind work in terms of planning your future specifically? Well, it's um, it's definitely a goal to be in WRC uh, as soon as possible. I mean, um, that's that's for sure the the big goal. Um, I think I am I'm well I'm I'm lucky to be in a position like this. I, I I'm in a team which has a WRC car. Um, so, I mean, at the moment, it's just, just really important to do well in, in, in the position I am now. Um, and that's also what we're working for. And, um, I mean, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe in a couple of years, you, I can, I can step up to the, um, to the big class. So that's, that's for sure what we are working, working the most with. So that's, um, that's, that's the goal. Awesome. What, what's it? What's it been like with with Hyundai? Because um, obviously uh, people know that you've driven a, a lot of R5 cars. Obviously the the Skoda and the, and the Volkswagen. Although those manufacturers are kind of affiliated in roundabout ways to WRC teams, they're not actually kind of in the same uh, factory and stuff. So what's it been like? Sort of have you managed to speak to to people like Oit and and Thierry and get some advice from those guys and uh, Andre as well? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's one big, uh, big family. So, um, I mean, we, we try to learn as much uh, as possible from each other. And, well, there is, there is no secret that, that, uh, um, the team also has, uh, experience from the WRC cars. Uh, so, um, I mean, we, we have to use that as much as, as much as possible. And, and um yeah it's 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 really good to be in in a in a place like this you know they they have a wrc car and they are they are kind of experienced so it's um it's it's a good place yeah so you could you kind you've kind of come from privately running your your r5 when you first came into wrc and obviously you're you're now with a big team and recently we've seen the switch from the you know the r5 championships being mixed up so we've got wrc2 pro and wrc3 and all this kind of stuff we've been talking about it a lot on the podcast because obviously it's a you know quite a big talking point for for rally fans who maybe a, a little bit confused by it what what do you think about the whole situation with the the r5 formula at the minute and is is there a way to fix it do you think or is there a way to make things better or do you think the the current situation is kind of the best, um, you know, kind of situation that we can we can be in for the R5 formula? Well, I think, I mean, everything can well, things can always be be better, but um, I think it's it's a good idea to to make some well that the factory teams or or the the little bit let's say faster boys or, or faster cars or how can I say that they are a little bit uh, different. From the kind of business uh, drivers, or, or yeah, if I can call it that. Um, but you, but I mean now it's it's a little bit. I mean for for me as a driver as well, it's um, it's a little bit diff- difficult to know what to do because um, we saw in in Sweden, for example. I mean I was I was second and I and I was uh, able to pick up some good points from that rally, but still I was fourth in the, in the total R5 class. 
Um, but then, at the same time, for me, it's it's a little bit stupid to fight uh, fight against um, the guys in WC3 because for us the championship is important and and picking good good points is is important. So it will also be a little bit like the same. We go now to um, to Mexico and we we well our, our big goal is to be um, getting getting big big points in WC2 and. Not focus so much about uh, the total R5 class. So, um, I mean, it's 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 how it is, and um, yeah, we just have to focus on on what we can do. So that's just a, you know, obviously you, you you do have goals, and I assume that Hyundai Motorsports, obviously to 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 go back to your point there, obviously they set you targets. I'm guessing, or or, or have you just you know how, how how does it work for you? Have you been given specific targets for for, for championships or for events and things like that? It, 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 am I reading that right? Well, yeah. I mean, I I would if it was up to me, I would all I would always want to be the fastest one and and, and beat everybody. Uh, there's that's no secret. But uh, but I mean, I'm a, I'm a part of a huge team and. Um, Let's say I, I also have a boss, so it's uh, it's a little bit. <laughs> it's, uh, that's how it is, and quite I, a fearsome boss. <laughs> quite a fearsome boss as well, by the way. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a good boy. Um, so yeah. um, I mean, I, I also I'm, I'm also doing uh, doing a job, so I mean, I, I need to need to listen to that, and um, I mean, for for us and, and the team, the important. More important thing is, is the championship. So um, then I just then I then I listen on that. So. Just obviously before before we we let you go, we we will wish you the very very best of luck for Mexico. Your 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 first your first visit there competing. Obviously, I, I, are you feeling good going into it? Even though it's your first time, have you got a good record going into rallies that you've perhaps not competed on for the first time? Uh, what's what, what's your feelings going into it? Is it one of those where you've just got to grind it out and, and get that experience? Should you feel like you could go in, you know, really push for the win? No, absolutely. We want to we want to go there and push for a win. Um, so um, I mean, I I feel good. Um, I think it's it's a rally that can that can suit me well, uh, and also the car. So. So I think, well, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, interesting and to see how everything works on on, on gravel. I mean, we're okay, we've done some testing, but um, it's always different to do a proper rally. So I'm um, looking forward to to get some experience from that, and um, definitely, I think it's it's a really really cool rally and and a really really special one. So I I must say I really look forward to to go down there and and compete on those uh, amazing roads. Fantastic. Listen, OC, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time uh, while you're getting busy to fly off as we record this anyway. So we wish you the very best of luck and hopefully we'll get you back maybe in a few months' time and we can get a bit of an update on how your season's going. Yeah, it was a pleasure. So thanks for thanks for having me, boys. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, OC. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, OC. Folks, we'll be back after this break. This is Absolute Rally. Quarter, Ireland's leading commercial note supplier, Killian Duffy, has joined forces with 2016 British Rally champion Craig Parry to form On The Pace Note UK. For more information, visit the website onthepacenote.co.uk. 
Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. And uh, it seems rather fitting because it's 12 months. It's the 12-month anniversary since she was last on with us. How how dare we leave it 12 months? Bex Williams, I'm really, really sorry. It should never have been 12 months. 12 months. I was genuinely shocked when I saw that on my, my little kind of note. Yeah. 12 months, it's a huge amount of time having not spoken to you. I've missed it and... Quite frankly, I'm upset and disappointed that we haven't spoken previously, Tony. So, so note so, that, please. So, so am I. I'm, I'm bouncing. It's going on the pad right now, Bex. It's going on the pad right now. Right. So we've got you now. And thank you for joining us as ever. Um, You're I'm welcome. Gonna, I'm going to go straight to it. Right. Does the WRC really start now? <laughs> no, it definitely started in Monte Carlo. Right, it definitely okay. started in Monte Carlo. Uh, but I, I do know what you mean. And we always kind of say this. We, we do this, um, you know, every year, all know, of us I've on got, event. I've, I've, got, I've got into trouble recently. So that's why I'm asking you. I thought, <laughs> at least I'll get some support from Bex. <laughs> we always have our specialist events that, that kick off the year. Monte, Sweden, Mexico. You never can tell what's going to happen out there the, with everything, with the altitude and some of the drivers who'll be going there for the first time in a world rally car, as in Calais, Rovenpera. What is he going to do? How is he going to adapt to that? They're all specialist events. And then normally we, we head to Portugal and we call Portugal the, the level playing field. We've got Argentina first, of course. But it's kind of when you get to Portugal, it's like, right. Are we all kind of level now? Is this where it all starts? But already just two rounds in, and I don't know if you feel the same as me, but it's like, bang, straight in, another year, another incredible start to the season, and you just don't know what's going to happen next. And I feel so incredibly lucky to be living through this time now of WRC. I've seen a lot over my <coughs> 20 years. <coughs> uh, but... What an incredible heyday we're having because the competition is is so close out there. We're throwing up different winners. It was brilliant to see Elvin on the top step of the podium in Sweden. Uh, and great to see him have such a brilliant start in Monty as well. Does this mean now we're going to have four potential contenders for the title come the end of the year? It just seems to be getting better and better. Well, I was just I was just about to say because um, obviously we, we we know he's your fellow fellow countryman and everything else, so we, we, we mm. won't we won't hold that against you for for, for, for mentioning that. Perish the thought. But Mexico has been one of those places. Unless your name's Sebastian, um, nobody has really kind of dominated it. You look at obviously Sebastian Loeb dominated it six wins. Sebastian Ogier, of course, has only got five wins. I wonder whether this will be. Um, you know, we keep hearing about, I don't know what you guys are hearing. This is supposedly Sebastian Ogier's final year. And, you know, he's never going to now, if, if, if that's the case, he's never going to equal what Sebastian Loeb did championship wise. But do you think he's, he's, he's aware of records like this where he could equal Loeb? And does he, do we really feel, do we really feel the need that perhaps he's, he's, he's played his way in perhaps a little bit too safe so far this year? Uh, I, I think he's, unconcerned about records in that sense when when it's always in comparison to Loeb because I think he's been compared to Loeb so much throughout his entire career that when you speak about it especially when you're in front of both of them and you know they do get on well which many people may not think especially when they they see all the contrived stuff that is out there rival them against each other of course there's a competitiveness that's the same with any other driver. But when they sit down and chat and when you get them together, as I did at some point last year, I can't remember which rally it was. And we talked about 
you know, uh, the statistics between them, the rivalry between them, the eye rolls go from both of them. They're like, <laughs> yeah, we know Seb against Seb, Seb versus Seb. But it's what we all love, isn't it? You know, a good low Bogier battle is, is fantastic to watch. It is going to be his last year. This is what he told us at the start of 2019. And it came up again in Finland last year. And everyone was like, what do you mean? It, 2020 is his last year. Well, he had said it at the start of the season, but we had to kind of go over it again with him and re-question him about it. And he did confirm that, yep, he does want to do different things. So 2020 will be his last year. But, you know, never say never is is always the gaunt that you have to live by. What if come the end of this season, he loves the team and he loves the car so much that actually he wants to give it another crack again? What if he doesn't get the title this year? Does that mean he want to come back and try again? You don't know. I mean, he's pretty firm on his word normally. But yeah, this this could well be his last year. And I think maybe... The, the opening two rounds, I think you're right, Monty in Sweden, we haven't seen him in his <laughs> full-out, balls-out attack yet. He's he's played it in a little bit slowly, maybe, because he's still adapting to the car. He's still testing the limits of the Toyota Yaris. For Elvin, in contrast, he's got behind the wheel, and he's got very comfortable with the car very quickly, and is able to, to give it... I don't even know if we've actually seen his maximum yet, to be honest. Um, and, you know, in the other Toyota, Kali Rovenpera, I haven't even got enough words to describe him right now. But going back to Ogier, I think we'll see a, a different form from him here in Mexico. He will definitely be gunning for the top step of that podium. And I think we will see a huge push from him this time around. The big thing, of course, you, know, you just mentioned Elvin, of course, the running order. Um, you know, yes, indeed. You know, apart from, you know, obviously the, 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 the engine's being strangled, you know, for, for, due to the climate and stuff like that. This is going to be a first for, for Elvin. How far back to you guys? And, you know, I, I hear different things. Obviously, you guys are always, you know, now with all live, it's, it's fantastic. But how many cars back to you guys? Have you guys ever worked this out roughly where the sweet spot is on, on this type of event? You know, where, where are they getting? You know, is it seventh? Is it eighth? Is it sixth? You know, where, where do you guys think the sweet spot will it be? It is around about, we had, we did look at this last year and it was around about fifth, sixth on the road where you were starting to find a much cleaner line and everything was starting to get quite a bit quicker after that point. But an interesting point for Mexico, and I think it is well worth noting, is that, you know, they don't do things by halves there. They're always trying to do something a a little bit different out there. But also, you look at Sunday morning, and okay, Friday is going to be a huge day for sweeping the road clear. And Elvin, who is first on the road, is is really going to to struggle. There's there's no question, and he has to make sure he doesn't lose too much time on the Friday, as OJ has said for many 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 years when he has been first on the road there. And you've got quite a a big chunky day on the Friday. It's 132 competitive kilometres the drivers are going to have to face. You've got 133 on Saturday. You come to Sunday. And this is what I like about the rally. First thing Sunday morning, first stage of the day, 33 kilometers, which is, a, you know, it's a fair bit to get your teeth into first thing in the morning. We do have obviously some long stages in Mexico, but that is the longest 
on the Sunday morning. It is only 56 competitive kilometres throughout the whole day. But in one stage to kick off, I think that's really going to be an interesting one. And certainly if it is close come the end of Saturday, you know, it, Mexico is, and if you look at the itinerary, it's made up of, uh, we've got a, the El Chocolate, which is year in, year out there. That's a good 31 kilometers. Then we have some shorter stages, then some really short ones. The Autodromo, which is, is run every year, Park by Centenario. They're all tiny stages of just two kilometers. So there, there are ways in which the front runners are going to lose time on the road, being first on the road, definitely. But there are certainly ways on Saturday where they can make it back up again. So that's what fascinates me about Mexico. It can hit you hard, and it will for, for Elvin and for Thierry, uh, first and second on the road. But they can make that back. And if they follow Seb Ogier's guide to success in Mexico, they can win the rally. <laughs> <laughs> if only you published the book. If only you published it. Do you know what? That that, read. Hey, that's a great idea, though, for a podcast series right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Well, maybe we need to maybe we need to paint that now all things considered maybe we <laughs> no, do I said it first I said it first <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't it be great though if the drivers are like okay here is my guide to success at Rally Mexico this is what you need to do how many drivers would be listening to that everyone would be listening well okay I know you guys have probably got the, the whole thing now all live we know the drivers you know at, at the side of the road park up and listen to that how many of them would be listening to that just going into the last stage power stage how to win a power stage yeah I'm listening to that Jeez, I'm in I'm in <laughs> but that's what I, I've loved about, you know, the, the whole all live thing is, yeah, watching drivers who are watching at the start of the stage. And we saw that, you know, quite a bit in Sweden with the with the conditions which were so changeable from, you know, just gravel to ice to a little bit of snow, then back to gravel. A lot of them were watching the guys in front to see what condition the stages were in on that day because it did change a bit from from recce to to when they actually went through and as a source as a resource it's brilliant isn't it oh let's just you know let's have a look Ooh, someone's reporting in as a massive rock at seven kilometers you know let's have a look and see if we can see that on the onboard i think that's that's brilliant if you if you're a driver maybe there are some of them that actually don't want to see it but i'm pretty sure all of them will be having a nosy do you think and this is an interesting one Taking into account that they are using it now as as, as a resource and, and everything else, you know, even on rally days and stuff like that, has the general average on any of the stages actually gone up because of it? I wonder. <laughs> well, Sweden was a very quick event. I mean, it, it's the quickest in every normally. sense of the word. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, in every sense <laughs> of the word. But because, you know, what was interesting there, because we didn't have the amount of snow that we normally have, the roads were much wider. So, you know, taking a more effective racing line was a lot easier for the drivers. So the stages were actually a good bit quicker than they were the previous year. That's one thing we certainly noticed. And yeah, I'm sure it can work for us and against us, Tony. I'll say this. And I think it was Saturday morning potentially in Sweden, we're doing our all live morning service show where we run around like mad lunatics interviewing the drivers as they pull their cars into service. So there's, you know, there's one driver 
every two minutes or every three minutes, depending on what, what the gap is. And it, it's, it's a mental show, but I love doing it because you pretty much get all your steps in for the day in, in an hour and <laughs> <laughs> all the running you have to do. And I know it was, it was Friday morning. So because we didn't have a competitive stage on Thursday night, the super special was cancelled and it was used as a shakedown. On Friday morning, there was no first service effectively. Guys were just driving their cars out of the service park. And we, we, you know, we realized this. We thought, well, the morning show isn't, isn't going to be the same. It's going to be a little bit different. Um, and we were waiting for drivers to appear, come out of breakfast and all the rest of it. And I was waiting to interview Oit Tanak and, you know, over he comes. And I'd done, I'd interviewed quite a few drivers before we got to Oit because after Monty, of course, his running order wasn't so great. And um, I, I said to him, you know, tell us, um, you know, what you're hearing about what the conditions are like out there. He said, well, he said, I've been um, sat having my breakfast and I've been watching all live, he said, and I, I can see that you've already asked this question to, to quite a few drivers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to go with what they say. And I was like, geez, I was like, yeah, but oh, you know, you're the world champion. We want to hear it from you. The world out there want to know from you. And he really was playing hardball with a big smile on his face. But the fact that he was, you know, watching over breakfast um, is great. And I did say to him cheekily at the end, I was like, oh, now you've been watching a little bit of it. I said, you know, what do you think? Anything we can improve on? And he was like, no, you always do a good job. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> That's it. I retire. That was, that right was, your, impre- that was your impression of voice. I like it. <laughs> it was dreadful. Oh, that's can really, I snip I, that? Can I snip? No. I'm really good at impressions normally, but that was, I think I made him Russian. I don't know. But, oh, I hope he doesn't listen to that. Sorry, Oint. No, 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 yeah. no, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be fine. Do you know it's something you mentioned back then? Obviously, the the, the big stage uh, on the Sunday. Yeah. Thirty three Ks. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to put a gun to your head on this. But oh God, would you, you say, ask me? And well, do, do you know? And, and again, dare I put my myself in this world? Okay, dare I put myself in this world? But I always prefer longer stages and you know to, to kind of work your way in because to, in my brain in my little level i always think well i've got enough you know if there's a mistake in there i've got enough time to kind of win a little bit of it back so i'm i normally switch on quite well first you know if i'm going into a long stage very very early on um and some people don't some people get almost too relaxed is that can you when you're watching, obviously, the splits coming in, obviously seeing the guys now with what you've been doing with, with All Live and stuff like that. Is, is there any standout ones that you think that I've got longer stages kind of licked, so to speak, who kind of switch on to them a lot better than maybe driver A over driver B? Is that is, is, is that starting to come out now? Are you starting to get to see that? I think it's a really good question. And to be honest, it's not. One I've really thought of when, when I'm watching it, there are some drivers that do prefer longer stages. There are others that don't. Um, from, from generally a watching perspective, I remember when we had, and I'm sure you remember this as well in Mexico, we had that 80 kilometer stage. Yeah. Wow. Which was, you know, the longest stage we'd had for a very, very long time. And what was quite funny is the organizers of the rally. We're at the stage end giving the drivers T-shirts with I survived 80 kilometers. <laughs> and I, I, I remember thinking, and we were all quite excited, and this was before all live. This was back in the radio days. We're like, blimey, 80 kilometers. This is going to be immense. It's going to be incredible. And actually, it was quite dull. Um, and there, there wasn't, there weren't 
huge, we thought maybe, you know, with, with such a long stage, there would be bigger gaps between the drivers. It would be a, a really a key opportunity for some people to, to, to go for it. And it wasn't. There were actually really quite small gaps. And this is what you find with the longer stages is sometimes you have drivers separated by tenths of seconds, which still astounds me. Um, so yeah, I, going back to your original question, no, I mean, if, if you're looking at it, really, it's the younger drivers who maybe come into it a little bit more, not so much the younger drivers, the drivers with less experience then give them a longer stage and they get into their rhythm and flow. It gives them the opportunity to get that a little bit more, whereas our top guys are straight on it, no matter what length of stage it is. It could be two kilometers. It could be 102 kilometers. You're still going to see absolute commitment, dedication and speed from them from the off. They don't need any time to work their way into anything. Their speed is just there straight away. Their confidence is there straight away. Whereas with some of the other drivers with less experience, it takes them a couple of kilometers to build into it. That is the only thing really I would say I, I would notice. I've been, and I feel like a broken record when I'm talking about this, but certainly, you know, the younger drivers that that are coming in. I suppose Cali is the the, the obvious one. Where, you know, it's it's almost like he's been he's been bred. <laughs> so to speak, that's what's honestly, to point out. It, it, to, he's to, he's so different though from the rest. He's, is he? He's so different from any other driver I have seen. And bearing in mind, I started my career at the same time Loeb did, so I saw his trajectory and his growth pattern same with Ogier Calais is different and it's very hard to put my finger on why he is different but it's a bit like what you've just said he's been bred it's it's there from birth whereas with the other drivers uh, with with Loeb and Ogier for example it came much later in their career Loeb told me that he decided to become a rally driver because he was pretty good at driving a rally car uh, well, rally car a car a normal car around car parks with his friends uh, when he was young basically hooning around car parks at home and he 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 found that he was really quite quick and he liked it and that's where love of motorsport came from a car park uh, but that's in his teenage years OJ was the same. He he had many career paths. He could have been a professional skier or, as I learned later on, a professional footballer. Such was the athlete within him. But he chose to, to get behind the wheel of a car. But that was very late also in his career. When you consider Calais was behind the wheel at some ridiculously early age. Yeah. And he's talking about setup when he's about eight or nine years of age in a car. I think we've all seen that incredible Red Bull documentary um, that went out about him. Uh, it, he is different. And I, I hadn't seen him angry as of Rally Sweden when he made a mistake. He was leading and he made, I no, wasn't leading, sorry. He was in second position, wasn't he? And he was, um, on going into the final stage, that Torsby sprint stage, and made a mistake on a hairpin and lost a couple of seconds, dropped out of the out of podium contention at that point. Or he dropped down to third. I'm making a huge hash of this right now, aren't I? Uh, but <laughs> he it's was live. Gen- it's live. It's all live. It's, it's all live. <laughs> Even this is all Definitely. live. Definitely. <laughs> he was so angry with himself. His little face was bright red. Because he was furious that he had made such a stupid mistake. And I hadn't seen that from him yet. 
But my goodness, he really beats himself up. Well, we talk about drivers who are hard on themselves, but he's definitely maybe one of the hardest because he wants to achieve his goal way before anyone else. Uh, obviously, on the podium in Sweden and at the FIA press conference, I asked him, you know, Yari Matti was 22 years of age when he took his first win to become the youngest ever winner. Are you going to beat that? And it was a straight yes. Yeah. I, you know, there's part of me and it's almost like this is the way if you want to be somewhere now, it's almost like and it, it sounds terrible because I'm a parent as well. But it's almost like you've got to get your child at a very, very early age. And obviously we all know, obviously, his, his father and obviously management and stuff like that. But is this where now drivers need to start? Do we need to do they need to be starting it? eight nine years old and you know well, it's frightening really when you think about it because yeah. I, 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 the reason why I, I asked this is that you know it's funny enough I was talking to David Higgins of course very very successful rally driver in his own right his I've got his driving gloves in my office yeah. well there you go same size so, hands very small hands David Higgins maybe fascinating <laughs> fact you didn't know there you go that's going to be one of our quiz questions in the quiz this year um <laughs> what gloves has Beck's got now um <laughs> So um, I was talking to and now Bambino carts. You can have your child in a cart testing at four. Four years old at testing. Okay, they can't compete, but they can be testing at four. I've been told. Okay, which absolutely really, really wound my wife up when I told her that. Um, No end because she went, you're not. And I went, "Ah, I probably will. So probably end up in a divorce. (laughs) But. At least you my son will be quick in a car. Yeah. Um, but, you know, is this, and, and, you know, I suppose pushy parents or whatever, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to have a parent at all in any way, shape or form. But is this what it's going to need to take now? Is this where, because I feel over the years um, that rallying has got more and more and more professional. I don't know what your take is on it, Bex. Over the last 20 years, you've been involved with it. But, you know, certainly the fitness side of it, you know, the recce's and stuff like that. I know people who, who were in the sport professionally before 20 years ago, shall we say, and some legendary parties. And this is even before rallies. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to drop anybody in it. But there was a very <laughs> different social aspect, even at the professional level, shall we say. And I'm sure there is people enjoying themselves now. But to me, it seems it gets more professional year on year on year on year. It does. It does. And, you know, I've put this question um, when I've had uh, guest commentators in. We had Nikki Griston, Robert Reed has come in and we've, you know, we've talked about this, you know, looking back in the day, how much it's changed, how much it's come on, but how much. And OK, you want to use the word more professional, but, you know, what you're meaning is, the drivers and the co-drivers are taking everything so professionally from from fitness element to, you know, how much they're going over their notes. It's it is a wild way from the way it used to be. Definitely. But to answer your original question, I don't think you, we need to see people being brought up on rally from from Calais kind of age. You know, he's. He's a phenomenon right now, and it'll be really interesting to see how quickly he achieves the goals that he wants to achieve. Um, but you look a- into some of the other drivers that we have coming through. Adrian Formo, I'm going to pick out, who's in WRC2 with M Sport this year. 
who is an incredibly quick Frenchman. Um, three years ago was his first ever rally. Um, and it's going to be a baptism of fire for him this year, I'm sure. We saw him on events last year. He was second in Rally Monte Carlo in his class last year, which just blew everyone away. And I know it made quite a few team bosses around the service park prick up their ears and, and say, you know, who is this kid? Because to be able to do that on your first attempt was was quite incredible. Three years ago, he began his, his career. He was training to be a doctor, training to be a medical student. And then it all changed. The passion for, for motorsport, he thought, I'll give this a go. Graduate of Rally June. And the trajectory just went upwards from there. He's the French junior champion. I think that was in 2018. So an amazing amount of success for someone really wet behind the ears in terms of seat time. I mean, can you imagine just being a year in a car and then going to the Monte Carlo rally and taking second in your class overall? That's pretty impressive. To be fair, I should have in a higher car around there when I was going to spectate. So <laughs> you're probably asking the wrong person, but I'm guessing it was a rhetorical question back. So, <laughs> But I think it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you will have, obviously, Drivers, and we're looking at Oliver Solberg as well, who, you know, he got behind a steering wheel at a very, very young age as well. And he's doing exceptionally well. But there are other drivers out there. And I think maybe these are the ones that fascinate me more is the ones who have the least amount of experience, yet have this incredible natural talent, which that makes your jaw drop. Because where has it come from? Where have they been hiding it? You know, Adrian foremost, just three years of experience and yet he's he's delighting. And there's there's gonna be some rallies where he's really gonna struggle because of his lack of experience. But you don't just pull random results like that out of the bag. There's there's something fantastic within him which will take maybe a little bit longer to come out now because he started late in his career. But I think that that's what astonishes me the more is the people that come to the sport a little bit later than the others and yet astonish you. That that's that's great. Because if it was all, always the case that people started early in their career and because they have you know, the funds to be able to begin early in their career and, and build up to it, it just wouldn't be as fun as throwing it in the mix with people who've come to it later. It's it's a good mix of young drivers that we have right now. But Kalle Rovenpera is definitely something special indeed. I was so delighted to see him on the podium in Sweden. And we just don't know what else is going to come for him. Tony, is he going to get a win this year? Do you think that is possible? Oh, you've twisted, you've turned it around on me, how dare you? I have, I'm, I'm, the trigger's uh, against your head now. It's, 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 it's my podcast, no, I'm not answering. Sorry, no, I can't uh, help no. myself. And I do you know, know what, this I is know. something I really struggle with on all no, live. If I'm in the studio, I start to take over, I'm like, hold on, I'm not the host, I'm not the host, I'm not the host. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not the host, I'm just the person who just kind of herds the cats together. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's that, I don't care, consider myself the host. I me, consider myself Absolutely. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yes, I do. Without a shadow of a doubt, I think he, he will get a win this year. I really do. And, and um, um, I don't know when it's going to come, um, but it will come. And he will break every record that I think there is. I really do. Yeah, I know what he probably will, won't he? And he's, he's such a nice character. He's a nice guy to, to have a chat with. And you kind of, you're looking at him amazed by, by what he's doing. And the confidence level is so high. And what I loved in Sweden was, um, being in Toyota and, 
you know, when I'm not commentating on all live, when there's a live television stage like the power stage, for instance, I'm not commentating, but I'm always a reporter. So I've got a cameraman with me. We're in the service park. We're ready to react to anything that's happening and grab a team boss and interview them live. And we were in Toyota watching all of Toyota. So all the mechanics, all the, te- you know, all the bosses. Um, and of course, Harry Rovenpera was there watching as his son comes through, has an amazing power stage in Sweden, <laughs> blasts away the wow, competition and, and takes podium position. And I, to see the emotion and he was crying, you know, he, he, it was like he was a little bit broken by it all these years of, you know, just raising his son, but also raising him on rally and seeing it all coming into fruition now and paying off. The tears were very, very real. And I interviewed him and his voice was breaking. He didn't have words for for what he wanted to say. And that started to get me. And then I was a bit like, oh, God, I'm choked. I can barely get my questions out. But it's such I, I love that element of my job. I love commentating. I really do. But I love seeing behind the scenes stuff like that. You do feel really privileged that you're you're watching as something historic plays out. You know, I was there the moment he was on the podium. I saw his father's reaction. I held his hand while we were interviewing him. You know, it's all those you know, little things that are going around in your mind. I, 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 goodness knows what kind of state he'll be in when Carlo wins his first event. But yeah, I, w- I want to see it. <laughs> it's a, it's, 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 well, it's a unique service area, the best because obviously Gwyndaff's there as well. So it's, it's it, there's always be like a dad's corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was interesting was when Gwyndaff was late to the party. Um, he flew in, I think, Saturday night, um, and I saw him Sunday morning uh, before they headed out to do the power stage. And um, I went to Toyota. I saw him there, and I was like, oh. Here you are, part-time. You've only come in for the glory. <laughs> You've only come yeah. in because he's going to win. And he was like, someone has to run the garage back home. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I'm leaving, Elvin. Someone has to keep it afloat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, having Gwyndaf on events is always joyful. He's such a character. But he was at stage end waiting for Elvin that day. So I didn't get to see the emotion from Gwyndaf. Although, you know, they rarely do... Both of them are really similar in the sense that they don't show a huge amount of emotion. Gwyndaf more than Elvin, definitely. He shows emotion, but Elvin is, he keeps himself very straight, very together. I can't wait for the day when he totally loses it emotion wise it'll happen tony it's gonna I th- happen I, I, I think it'll be like the end of his career he's just gonna go out into a field and scream for about three days non-stop <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely calling him the welsh finn now because yeah. you know he seems to obviously spent it, the majority of his career at m sport and those years you know boded him well there, there were highs there were lows he was in the team he was out the team he's back in the team again it was a bit tanak-esque in that way wasn't it um, and now that he's he's changed teams for the first time in his career, he's adapted really quickly within the team. And Tommy Mackinnon absolutely loves him. And I think what they're really loving is his personality because he's he's very modest. He's very humble. He gets in the car. He does the job. He comes out of the car. If there's something wrong, he says what it is. But he's not over the top in any way he's very contained he's very finished in his reactions because they aren't you know they're never massive reactions from elvin are they and that's why yeah i've tagged him the welsh finn now 
I think that's a lovely uh, place to finish. Other than the fact that I am going to put it on your toes one more time. Oh, M- Mexico, come on! I'm going to you cheeky five English pounds. I'm going to give you. Where's it going? Oh, just five. Yeah, <laughs> you're you with you a seen... betting professional here, mate. Let me tell you, at Listen, least ten. My my budgets are, are, are tiny, so we've got to scale it back. So I'll tell you what. Absolute rally, I'll put five pounds in and I'll top it up to ten for you. Go on. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Well, I tell you what, you give me yours first. This is a cop out. You know what? You're really good at copping out. You know what? You, you make Ryan Champion, Jack Benyon, Trevor Agnew look amateurs compared to them. You really do. Um, I am going to go Sebastian Ogier. Sebastian Ogier. Yep. Yeah. You see, that's a pretty solid choice. However, Oh. oh, do you know what? Would I be an absolute fool? Would I be an absolute fool to put a Welshman on top of the podium considering he's first on the road? I think it would be bold, brave, and I can't think of anyone else beginning with B. Bex. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say something else. Bewildering. Polite. Bonkers. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think OJ is a really good shout and obviously you've gone with him first so I can't go with him because you you, you've selected him no 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 I'll go with someone different oh oh this is great audio Bex (laughs) (laughs) damn it I'm going to put Elvin on the top of the podium good good there you go if he lets me down he's in big trouble no problem. It's all I'll, on I'll, him, to be honest. I'll, I'll, I'll send them over the link. I'll send them and Scott the link. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. It's, it, uh, do you know what? And it's the part I kind of love. Before the rally gets underway and all the chat we have on Twitter and it's people's one, two, threes and seeing, you know, what they do with their one, two, threes and who they put in their fantasy rally team and all the rest of it. And how is your fantasy rally team going, by the way? I need to, I need to go and possibly have a little bit of a look at it. To be honest with you, I was quite cocky uh, after Monte Carlo, <laughs> and um, yeah, I need. I think, I think, I think some of my boys need a team talk. <laughs> well, I'm in a team of one that I couldn't work out because I'm I'm a very very late comer to the whole fantasy rally thing. So I set up my account pre Monty, and then people were like, "You need to join a league. You need to join a team." And I'm like, "I d- I don't know how to do it. It's just me." So it is yep. just me. So I, I, I don't know whether I should be adding people to me or should I join? Th- I don't know. But at the moment, you can join, join the absolute rally one. So, okay. If I work I out to how do to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I've got no idea how to do it. Jack Benyon uh, told me how to do it. And I'm still, I still haven't quite figured out how to go back in and change things around. Hence why uh, I haven't looked at it since Monte Carlo. So. <laughs> um, one very, very last thing before we go. Um, yeah. Young man who's not with us in, in Mexico, but um, is out on the next round. Of the Irish start. Craig Breen's just been announced. Um, yes. He will delighted. be returning. To, to West Cork, obviously your second spiritual home across the Irish Tarmac series. Craig going back for West Cork. Obviously you're tied up on Rally Mexico, but it's uh, it's going to be another cracker by the looks of things. Craig's oh, going to add to is. the mix. It, it is. I'm I'm really glad to see him back in action. West Cork is my favourite event on the Irish Tarmac Championship calendar. It's a brilliant calendar. Golden events. Every single one of the events is brilliant. West Cork is 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 my favourite for many, many reasons. I did take my mum back to that area. Once I'd been to the rally, I took my mum there on holiday and I think it's always going to be a special part of the world for me now. But tell you what, if they have the same amount of fun there this year as we did last year, 
they'll be on to a winner because Miko Havenen was there competing last year in an escort. Craig was obviously there, won the rally. Let me tell you, the after party was something to behold. It really was. <laughs> but it is a great event. It's a great series. I, I hope he gets to do a few more. And while we're on, I just want to say that the first round in, in Galway, I know it, it, it was under threat. You know, the week before the event, we weren't actually sure whether we would be in Galway. But it, it did run. We had a good number of entries. It was a superb R5 battle. And hats off to Alistair Fisher, who really was massively impressive in Galway. Dominant form, led from start to finish. He really was incredible. And it was like a kind of coming of age. First international win, 21 years since Bertie Fisher had his name on the trophy. It was really emotional there in Galway. And I'm looking forward to the Fisher-Breen battle. I am. And me too. Me too. And of course, you, you, you put in our current double British rally champion as well. And obviously, Tom oh, Cave and yeah, people like that. BRC All those there. guys are there yeah. as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a healthy one. And uh, yeah, I am for sure looking forward to it. Anyway, Miss Williams, I have to let you go in pack and get ready for uh, get, get your sombrero out and, and everything Heat else. And, and, factor yeah. 80. <laughs> <laughs> for my ginger skin. Yeah, it needs oh, to be done. Yeah, so I'm 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 quite fair, and I've also got, as as my son likes to point out, uh, a penalty spot now on the top of my head. So yes, I'm 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 I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I haven't actually seen you in the flesh for a few years. We're getting bored. The, sh- the hair's the hair's getting shorter. Oh yeah. man! I'm, I'm are you going to trying... do like some of you know footballers and and drivers out there and get a bit of a hair transplant, or are you you going to go on natural? I think the fact that I've now told everybody that I'm on my way to being bored, if I suddenly, if I suddenly turn up with like this kind of really healthy of hair, mop of hair, yeah, I, I, th- I think the ship might have sailed. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm trying to make it look like I've planned for it, but I'll be honest with you, to everybody right. who listens to this program and you, Bex, it's happened and I can't help it. So, have you had your midlife crisis yet, or is um, that still looming? I think, I think I've had it. Um, I think I had it starting at 20 well starting at about 19 and it's i'm still living it because <laughs> i go into my 22nd year of rallying this year um yeah and um i was meant to be doing less and it looks like i'm going to do more so i don't quite know that's happened um but i may even be in a four-wheel drive car this year at some point so that's, i know so Check technically i think my midlife crisis is going to happen around august september when i'm probably going to be in an r5 car somewhere so that's my midlife crisis hey we're talking about all these younger drivers coming through the ranks what about you know the older drivers like yourself maturing nicely oh no <laughs> do you know, do you know right I'll, I'll say this, and I'm, this is incredibly parochial. Uh, so I apologise to our overseas listeners, to many of you. Uh, in the UK, we have obviously the British Rally Champion. We have a national championship, which is uh, the BTRDA. And I've been doing the R2 Cup there, which obviously the R2 is now deemed to be the car where every young driver needs to start because we've got a clicky gearbox and stuff like that. And statistically, I've said this before, but statistically, every young driver I've competed against in the last two years has been nearer to my son's age than what they have been to mine. So... <laughs> That uh, that makes me feel really old, and I'm not as brave as those boys. So um, there's definitely an element of being um, a lot braver when you're younger, and mm. a lot less aware of consequence, um, and also having a, a family to pay for and a mortgage to pay for. So um, so yeah. So no, I'm not as brave. Although, um, boo, boring. Mention the word mortgage. Where's the fever? Huh? 
come on. The, the, the fever, the fever is when I go home and I say to my wife, yeah, I've just knocked the corner off of R5 and it's cost me 30,000 quid. Oh, we God, won't be going yeah, on holiday. I'd kill you as well. We won't be going on holiday this year or for the next 15 or so, <laughs> just so you know. So, uh, so no, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not there. I get a little bit of a kick because I help some other drivers now. That's where I get my kicks from. Yeah. So Good. that's my, that's, that's my out. Anyway, Bex, thanks so much. And it, it, we said it last time. It's never, it's definitely not going to be another 12 months. I can promise you. I'm it's holding you happening. to that. It's just not happening. Um, folks, um, I'm, I'm sure you know how to find Bex. If you don't, then you're clearly not a rally fan. Um, but, Bex is available all respectable <laughs> outlets of social media. Visa I don't know where Mastercard. I'm going with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Um, listen, folks, we do appreciate the download and thank you so much for, for, for the nice reviews on iTunes and various other formats that we're on. If you can, click the subscribe button. I would really, really appreciate it. We'll be back same time, same place, in the podcast hall next week. Absolute Rally. Powered by the Keel the Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.